Good morning. Man, what an awesome day it is, and what a great week. I was just talking to some folks about every day. It's just been incredible, and this is what we've been waiting for. And I'm glad you're here today on a Sunday morning, beautiful Sunday morning to worship Him. If I haven't met you, my name is Randy. Uh, I would love to do that. And uh, this has been uh, just an incredible week in so many ways. But today we're going to begin a new series uh, talking about sharing. And, uh, you know, most of you know that I'm a grandpa. I know I don't look like it or anything, but I'm a grandpa. I've got, um, we have two grandkids. We have a granddaughter in Ohio named Sophie May, and we have one in Hong Kong named Autumn Rose. And um, I think I've already told you maybe that we are going to double our grandkids this year, uh, Lord willing. Uh, We have a little girl named uh, Charlotte June who's going to be born in September, and we have a grandchild yet to be named, uh, uh, who will be born next month, actually. Uh, We're not sure if it's a boy or girl and what the name will be, so I'll let you know. I'll keep you up on that, but we're excited about grandkids, and uh, they're they're really pretty cool. Well, the last summer, Autumn and Sophie were together. They had just met each other at our home, and they were playing together, and Sophie was about three at the time, and Autumn was about nine months, and so um, they were playing together, but you know what happens when two kids play together? Um, they wanted to play for the same toy at the same time, and, and Sophie, especially being a little older, she was being a little possessive with the toys. And we saw what every parent sees or every uh, adult sees when kids try to play together, they have trouble sharing. Uh, even if they have plenty of toys, it doesn't matter what you're playing with. If the other kid gets something, suddenly you want that. And so we saw those dynamics a little bit as, as they were kind of getting to know each other. And uh, so we, that dynamic of it's hard to share. It really is hard to share. Now, ideally, that begins to change as a child matures and they grow up a little bit. And uh, the goal is then to let go of stuff, let other people enjoy what you enjoy as well. In fact, uh, sharing is an important part of our social interaction. When you think about it, share the road, uh, share your blessings, share, uh, you know, share your heartaches, share, share with people. It's important to share there. It's a really big key principle in the Christian life as well. John the Baptist, when he was introducing Jesus and what Jesus will be about, he said, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should also do the same. So John the Baptist introduced this idea of sharing, which wasn't huge in the day before him. People were pretty possessive about what they had. John said, things are different now. Jesus is going to teach you how to share. And so Jesus talked a lot about sharing and taught this principle as well to meet the people who are in need. I don't think anybody in the room, hopefully, will argue with the importance of sharing. So hopefully, I don't have to convince you that that's an important thing. But I will also tell you that sharing is one of the three values of our church, The values of our church are connecting, which means that we come to know Jesus, first of all, and then we connect with the church body and and we connect together. Growing, that's what all of us are called to do in our faith, which is a long-term process as well as short-term. And the third one is, is sharing, sharing our faith. And we talk a lot about connecting and we talk about growing, but today we're going to be talking a little bit about sharing and specifically today talking about sharing Jesus, sharing the gospel with people. And I'm going to stretch you a little bit today because I know that it's going to stretch me. This message has been challenging and difficult for me uh, to think about, so I know it is for you. Uh, You guys are normal, about as normal as I am. And so I think it's hard for us. And I want to tell you that as a church, we want to be passionate about sharing Jesus. 
I was so excited. Tony stole my thunder a little bit, but that's all right. Uh, we, we talked about it. Uh, 23 people in the last week baptized. I mean, that's just amazing. That blows my mind. And we have several people. We can applaud again. But we have, we have several more, and some of you are in this room that need to be obedient as well. Let me just say this. Anytime you want to do it, middle of the day, middle of the night, let me know. And we'll meet here and we'll, we'll get it done, all right? It's just that important. We're passionate about that. And we know that everybody has a need in their life to know Jesus. It is a desperate need that they have. So they need something. We have something that we need to share. We need to share. And you know, the last recorded words of Jesus we read just a few moments ago. Let me repeat them. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So these are like the marching orders of, of Jesus, right? Have you ever noticed that the last thing that people say is always the most important thing, right? When you're about to leave with somebody, we say, I love you, have a good trip. Around here at our place, it's watch out for deer, you know, on, on the way out. So uh, the last thing we say is important thing. Jesus' last words were like, guys, go and tell other people what you know. And I love what the apostle Paul said, his analogy, he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We beg you, we implore you, we, we ask you, please be reconciled to God. And the idea of an ambassador is one maybe you never thought about, but you are an ambassador. We send ambassadors to other countries as a nation to make peace. We communicate information through our ambassadors to these countries, and that's who you are. You are an ambassador that God is communicating his message through. So there is no doubt that the mission of every believer, this is what we have lost somewhere, once they've given their life to Christ is to share Christ with others. We've talked about this several times. One of Tony's uh, uh, favorite uh, scriptures is where people were following Jesus and they said, what's Jesus like? And they said, come and see, come and see. That's what we're supposed to do. I mean, the day that you give your life to Christ, you ought to be encouraging other people to come and see and follow Jesus. And that's what the early church did. In fact, every believer took it on themselves to share what they had with other people. Every believer understood it was their responsibility. It was not just the apostles. It was not just the elders or the deacons or the evangelists in the church, but it was every believer. And they took the gospel everywhere that they went. And that's how the church turned the world upside down. The church transformed the world. But somewhere along the way, we've lost the sharing part of our faith. Somewhere along the way, we, we, we think it belongs to somebody else. The mission is the churches or the mission is the preachers or the mission is somebody else's. Yeah, we'll agree it's our mission, but somehow we've lost our personal responsibility. And for one thing, I think we have lost the idea that our faith is to be shared, but we have gained the idea or we think that our faith is a personal thing. It's just a personal thing. You know, the world has kind of pushed us into a corner, so now we've we're not on the offense anymore, we're on the defense, and we're just trying to you know, hold on to what we got, right? It's a wrong attitude. Faith is not just a personal thing that we just keep to ourselves like we're undercover Christians. We've got this idea that nobody needs to know that you're a Christian. 
I read a survey that kind of impacted me. A recent nationwide survey revealed that 51% of people are curious about the belief of other people and they're willing to discuss it. 51% are willing to discuss it. Here's the thing though, they don't want to talk about it on social media. That's why nobody likes what you post about Jesus. Kills me. I can post a picture of a kitchen cabinet that I built and you guys love it. I can post something about Jesus or a moral issue and crickets. So social media has its value and everything, but it's gotta be a personal thing. It's important to know, we need to think about that. It's important. Another, the same survey revealed that, uh, uh, by the way, that's true mostly with younger people. They want to know it. 60% say their Christian friends rarely talk about their faith. 60%. 55% say it's important to know that they're going to go to heaven. 40% of people never think about faith unless somebody brings it up. Never think about it but they wanna know about it, they're curious about yours. 66% say they're open to having a spiritual conversation with a friend. But 78% of Christians have not shared their faith in the last six months. Almost 80% of us have not even mentioned it to our friends. You know what, that is totally opposite to the, pa the pattern and the commands of the Bible. I ran across a phrase the other day I, I was not familiar with, it's called the sin of silence. The sin of silence. Have you ever had the opportunity to share Jesus, but you didn't do it? Who hasn't, right? Or later on we thought, ah, oh, I should have said something. I should have mentioned Jesus in some way. Guys, that's the sin of silence. Say, well, how is it a sin to not do something? Well, James chapter four says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It's called the sin of omission. Honestly, I can't think of anything better than sharing Jesus with people. And if we don't do it, that's a sin. Because we know what the Bible says. It's very clear. It's obvious. We know the scripture. It is the sin of silence. Sin of silence. And we're all guilty of it. I know that I am. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we uh, were talking about Easter and we, we talked about the trial of Jesus. When Jesus was on trial, Peter denied knowing who Jesus was three times. You must be with Jesus. No, never heard of him. I don't know him. That was denial, right? But even if Peter had said nothing when he was asked if he knew Jesus or if he was a believer, he would have sinned. That would have been the sin of silence. And we sin by omission when we don't share Jesus because the sin of silence affects our personal life. It makes us lazy spiritually. It makes us unproductive. You know, we, we tend to minimize what we don't talk about, right? So it impacts us. The sin of silence also impacts the church itself because when the church overall sins in this way, it becomes very inward focused. It becomes very passive in disobedience. And the sin of silence also impacts those who don't know Jesus because people are lost because of silence. There are people who will go to hell because we did not say anything. That's a sin of silence. I love this scripture in Ezekiel chapter three. I love how the Old Testament brings it around, but one of my favorite scriptures, Ezekiel three says, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. 
So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, but you will have saved yourself. So the analogy that God is talking to to Ezekiel is a watchman on the wall that says, you see the danger because you're looking for it, you're aware of it, but if you just save yourself and you run away and, and hide, you're accountable for all the people you didn't warn. But if you warn them and you tell them, it's kind of on them. They, they got to decide what they're going to do with what you've told them. And that's where God has paid, made us to be watchmen and women for the people of our country. There's an axiom that says silence gives consent. If you don't speak up about something, you're condoning it. We know that horrible atrocities have happened. Things like the Holocaust have been done primarily because no one spoke against it. No one saw, everyone knew it was wrong, but no one spoke against it. And it's a sin to be silent when there are people who are lost in sin, when we have the knowledge and the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. That's the sin of silence we're talking about. You know, we call this sharing of Jesus, we call this evangelism in the church and people are scared to death of it. But basically it's just a communication of the good news of Jesus. And I got to tell you, I think that the church is at its weakest point in history when it comes to evangelism. I think we're at the weakest place that I can imagine. So here's what evangelism looked like today in the church. This is so familiar. Christians are encouraged to be a good example to people. Just going to live my life a good life so people can see it, right? Nothing wrong with that. We're encouraged to do that. Build relationships with people over a long period of time until someday you're able to be comfortable to invite them to church. Want to go to church with me? So we, that's a big hurdle for us. So we cross that, right? Then the person has to come to church for a short amount of time so they can be around other people and see that Christians are pretty normal. And they experience some good Bible teaching and worship. And then the preacher hopefully will meet them and he'll get a chance to get to know them and then he'll get a chance to talk to them and have a Bible study with them. And then the preacher teaches them and hopefully they'll respond. And that's what we think evangelism is. Not speaking for you, I just think that's what we think it is. It's gotta be somebody else, a professional that does it, surely. Being a good example is called lifestyle evangelism. Serving lost people is called servant evangelism. Building relationships is called relationship evangelism. Inviting lost people to church is called church evangelism. And all the while, all these are important, but none of them are real evangelism. None of them, they're all great tools, you know, and the lost people person may never really hear the gospel. Because somewhere along the way, a chain may be broken and they never hear about Jesus. So I began to think about this and I wondered, why don't we share Jesus? Randy, why don't you share Jesus more with people? I mean, after all, you're a professional anyway. You've been doing this 40 years. Why don't you do that more? And I think it kind of summed it down to two reasons I don't think we share Jesus. First of all, I believe there's a lack of passion and conviction on our part. There is a disconnect somewhere if we really believe what we say we believe. Because a lot of Christians are pretty passive about their faith. And if you're not excited about something, you're probably not going to share it with anybody else. How sad is it that we can't wait to have long conversations and tell someone with great excitement about a great restaurant we found? 
or about a store somewhere or a movie we saw. I mean, we can spend a lot of time talking about how great these things are, but we don't talk about the most important things in our life, our faith. What is wrong with us? Second Corinthians chapter 13 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. That's pretty convicting, isn't it? Now, I don't want us to go around and start doubting our relationship with God or anything, but if you lost your excitement or you hit a spiritual plateau at some point, you need to figure out why and follow the advice of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. It's in you, but for a lot of us, it's kind of burned down to ashes. But Paul says, fan the flame back, get your passion back. Maybe it's your own personal level of commitment that you need to renew, or maybe it's some sin in your life that you're dealing with that you're ashamed to, you don't want to even think spiritual thoughts yourself, or maybe it's your prayer life you need to revive and start praying for some people and for opportunities. Because when you are where you need to be with God, you're going to have a real zeal and passion for lost people. You know what? Jesus had a passion for people. He saw people as lost sheep who were scattered and needed a shepherd, someone to minister and love them. And that's how we need to see them as well. And he had a lot of excitement to do what it took to open the way of salvation in spite of rejection, suffering, and ultimately the cross. And there's nothing that can stoke the flame of your spiritual passion more than leading someone to Christ and being a part of that. Just ask our CR team who baptized six people Thursday night. Does that, not, does that not kind of excite you a little bit when you're a part of something like that that's so exciting? You know what? While our passion sparks our sharing, sharing also builds our passion for following Jesus. And our love for Jesus and love for others is what the Bible says compels us to do that. The love of Christ compels us to do that. So if we love Christ, we're going to want to share in his mission. And if we love other people, we're going to not want to see them die outside of Christ if we can help it. So let me ask you this. How many people do you know personally who are lost? I don't want you to be judgmental, okay? Again, that's where our mind goes. I don't want to judge anybody. But guys, you know, we, we're realistic. We know that there are people that have no spiritual interest whatsoever. We know the difference between someone who's pursuing Christ and someone who's not. So let's not deceive ourselves and think everybody's good. That just takes away any hope we have to share with them. How many people do you know who are lost? But the more pressing question is, do you really care? Do you really care that they're lost? Do you really believe that a relationship with Jesus Christ is the difference between a person going to heaven and hell? If you don't believe that, I don't know what, I don't know what you're practicing, right? I believe that. I believe that's the difference there. And if so, how can we neglect sharing Jesus with them? What kind of love is that, that that we claim we have? And if you're not sure that knowing Jesus mattered, then maybe it's time to examine your own faith and your own passion. And our passion needs to be grounded in obedience to God's purpose and God's promises. So I think sometimes our problem is that we're not convinced ourselves, and so why do we try to convince others? But here's the second reason, I think, maybe for more of us, hopefully, is that is the idea we don't share Jesus because of fear. Fear. Now, what kind of fear is it? I mean, we're brave people, right? We have nothing little to fear, but there are some reasons we don't. First of all, there's a fear of being rejected. 
the fear of being rejected, you know? When you share Jesus, you make yourself a little bit vulnerable. You kind of put yourself out there for the people to have an opinion about you and you're not sure what they're gonna think. But remember that Jesus made himself vulnerable. No one put himself out there more than Jesus did. He offered salvation to many people who rejected him. We have a few of them in the Bible, but don't you think there were a lot more who came and went? Probably thousands who came and went because at the end there were like 150 left. So people came and left Jesus and people will reject you as well. He told his disciples when that happens, you shake the dust off your feet. You don't get discouraged. You go somewhere else. But before we shake the dust off our feet, we better make sure that we've made some attempt with people that we know need to know the Lord. Remember that when people reject the gospel, it is not you personally that they are rejecting. They are rejecting Jesus, not uh, not you. And whenever they respond, remember they're accepting Jesus. And it wasn't just your persuasive skills that got them there. Don't start feeling like you're somebody just because you were used by God. Their response is not your responsibility. And I think this is a big deal because I remember years ago when I first started ministry, I got really pumped up and really excited and really nervous when I went to share Jesus with people. I thought, are they going to accept or not? Win or lose tonight. That's a tough place to be, you know? And one day I realized, you know what? It's not you anyway, Randy. You know, maybe do your best, but it's not really you. That takes a lot of pressure off you. You don't have to, you're not responsible for how to respond. You're responsible just to be faithful. And what people do with the gospel is on them and they're gonna to have to answer for it. But make sure that they know the gospel. Don't hesitate to share Jesus out of fear of rejection. There's also the fear of offending somebody. Have you ever felt like you were a little bit worried that you might offend somebody by talking to them about Jesus? You know what? Here's the thing I hate. We can be more afraid of offending somebody by telling them of Jesus than we are about offending Jesus by not telling them about him. We're more worried about what people think than we are about what God thinks. And let me tell you, the gospel is offensive to people. The gospel was meant to be offensive. It's not going to just a pat on the back. The gospel tells us that we're all sinners and we all deserve to go to hell. And that can be pretty offensive. It's hard, it's hard to make that soften that, right? You know, we think, man, the gospel is really offensive. It would be better if it wasn't so hard on sin. You know, if we just kind of soften the sin part, I bet more people would respond, you know what? But we can't do that. We can't remove the offense of the gospel without losing the message of the gospel. First Corinthians chapter one says, for the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It is the power of God. A lot of people don't, well, first of all, we found out that 40 some percent don't ever think about it but they're still lost even if they don't think about it, right? So they need us and, we, and, and when we do talk about it, it might seem to be foolish immediately, but you know what? There's, a, there's an answer for that, right? There's, there's some power in here. And I'll tell you what it is in a moment. We might be tempted to think that we can soften the gospel a little bit by minimizing a person's need. But what happens when we do that is it takes the power out of it. A person has to know that they're lost before they can be saved, right? And if not, they don't truly value what Jesus did. They don't really value that. The gospel's offensive, but you don't have to be offensive when you share it. You don't have to be offensive. And that's the other fear we might have, that we're going to offend somebody by being offensive, that we're going to you know, try to be critical of them. And that's not our job. That's why we need to be sensitive and humble whenever we share Jesus. 
I love the saying, I don't know where it came from, but it said, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That kind of, that kind of nails it to me. A beggar doesn't say, I'm rich, I got all this stuff. He says, I, I need, but let me tell you what I've found. You could have some too. And that needs to be our attitude in our heart. And we all need to remember that at one time we were lost and we were hopeless until somebody came along and lovingly gave us some hope. And that's what people need. So don't have a fear of that. We can also have a fear of being ridiculed. Being ridiculed. Honestly, we're too concerned about what people think of us. We really are. Romans chapter one says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And Jesus said this, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my father in heaven. You know what, Jesus was mocked and ridiculed and down through history, his disciples have been treated the same way. Down through time, there's a whole list of martyrs. There's a book written on the martyrs of Jesus, probably several of them. People have been mocked and some have been killed. We need to get past the idea of worrying that someone might think something about us or might say something about us or to us about it and stay committed to sharing Jesus. And by the way, if they reject you, you're in good company with Jesus, all right? Don't worry about that. The, the, the final fear I want to talk about is the fear that you don't know enough. The fear I don't know enough. I'm worried I'm going to get in a conversation and I don't know what to say, right? Well, let me tell you this. If you are a Christian, you know what it takes to become a Christian. You know what it takes. You haven't forgotten it. Hopefully, if you have, you need to brush up and remember why you're a believer. But if you're a Christian, you know it doesn't require a Bible college degree to lead someone to Christ. It does not require that. It's not needed at all. The gospel is simple and easy enough for a child to understand and explain. You don't have to know everything about the Bible. And if someone asks you a question you don't know, it's no shame to say, I don't know. I'll find out. I'll get back to you. It gives you a chance to have a second conversation with them. And you don't know where to start? Well, a great place to start your story. And we're going to talk about your story next week. I'm excited about, about that message. But you know what? The gospel stands alone. You don't have to have a story, a testimony, or anything. But here's the gospel. And you may want to jot this down or remember it, whatever it is. I'll send it to you if you want me to. The gospel's so simple. You don't have to know the whole Bible to tell people about Jesus, all right? You have to begin with the fact that everybody sins. Romans chapter uh, three, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen. Just have to tell people, you know what? You're a sinner like I am. The Bible word for sin is shooting an arrow and missing the mark. I don't know if you've ever shot an arrow, but the bullseye, you know what to shoot for, but you don't always hit that. And when you miss that, you sin. That's what the word means. So help people see they're not perfect. Simple as that. Tell them, hey, that's the bad news, but I got great news. Romans chapter six, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're all sinners, but we don't have to stay sinners. You know what? Jesus has done something. He's given us something because Jesus is both God and man. He alone could come and do it. He came to reconcile us to God. And then share John three sixteen. what everybody knows, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Say God had a solution for our problem. And to resolve our sin, Jesus had to die on a cross. He paid the price that we owed. But Jesus didn't stay dead because he was God and man. By the power of God, he was resurrected back to life again. That's Easter, right? And we've seen alive by hundreds of people. 
And then he went back to heaven, and he's now preparing a place for those who have had their sins forgiven by accepting him as Lord and Savior. And one day he's going to come back and take us to heaven. That's the gospel. Pretty basic, pretty simple. I mean, there's a lot of other scriptures you could talk about. One of the problems that we have is we try to explain the whole Bible to somebody in one setting. Let's just tell them about Jesus, you know. That's all they really need to know to be saved, and then they can gain that knowledge. To accept him as Lord and Savior is simple. We need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Believe. We all know that, right? We need to acknowledge that we are sinners and commit to change our life with the power of Jesus. We got to commit to change. That's repentance. We need to be willing to admit and confess our sins publicly just or before anybody. One person is fine. Confess with our mouth. And then we need to be baptized to identify with Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And that brings us into a relationship with Jesus Christ that then we have to nurture and grow for the rest of our lives. Guys, that's it. So simple. All of us could do that. That's how we share Jesus. Every one of us in this room can do that with other people. But remember, you have to be faithful to tell others, but you don't have to convince them. You don't have to convince them. And the reason that we don't have to is because the Holy Spirit is that part of God that's in us and moving into them that convinces them. You, don't, you just have to tell them, let the Holy Spirit convince them. And if they're not convinced, then let the Spirit work on them. You know, that's his job. And it may take multiple times to hearing the gospel before someone responds. Remember that most people don't respond to the gospel the very first time that they hear it. Some do, and that's awesome. Not all do. Some, the Bible says, are going to plant the seed, some are going to water the seed, and some are going to reap the harvest. It's a lot more enjoyable to reap the harvest than it is to plant the seed and water and everything, but it has to be done, right? And that's what God is calling us to do. But I love it when people are big and bold about their faith. And one of the people in my life, one of the friends I have who is big and bold about their faith uh, is a guy named Andrew Hager. And uh, I mean, this guy will walk through Kroger and talk about Jesus. I love that. In fact, I sat down with him this week to talk, and I, I'm going to show you a real quick video of him. Well, hey, guys, I'm here today with my good friend, Andrew Hager. And about our topic today, I, I wanted to take a few moments and just talk to Andrew, because one of the things that I admire most about Andrew is his freedom, his boldness, his willingness to speak so uh, openly about his Jesus and who he believes yeah. in. So, Andrew, I'm going to, uh, first question, just to ask you, man, you... You just seem to have a passion about Jesus that cannot be tamped down by anybody. So talk a little bit about how about your passion for him. Well, you know, I have 28 years experience of not seeking him. Yeah. And uh, even putting myself in these situations and God kept me rel relatively safe, hmm. you know, and I'm not even in him, right? And uh, today, that's why I'm so passionate, because now that I'm in him, the, the blessings are abundant, and I gotta be bold in his name, because he did this. Is man, I, I just, it's, it's, wow, unbelievable. Yeah, well you feel real comfortable like in a grocery store? Oh yeah. Or any, and you speak a lot to, to crowds <laughs> of people, but you never hold back and uh, talking about Jesus. Not just about what God has done, but, but Jesus personally, and knowing that Jesus is the way that we come to God. So yeah, speak gotta, about that. Well, I mean, yeah, you got to go through the sun to get to the Father, you know. Right. The best rock on the block, baby, Jesus. <laughs> and, and it's so real, but, but I, it's just the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit, you know, just being in that power. See, again, running on self-will, that fleshly man, that carnal man, you know, I wasn't achieving anything. I was hurting everybody to come in contact with me. Now that I've, I've found my true identity in Christ, Christ Jesus, no doubt about it, I just want people to know, and it is my duty when the Holy Spirit hits me, like, yeah, let's turn Jesus up. Do you ever, do you ever get uh, worried that you might offend somebody? I, I don't worry about offending people. I really don't. I, I I don't think, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Now, people's been offended, but I'm just smiling like Jesus loves you. Amen. <laughs> you know? Amen. Well, let me, let me ask this too. You you are kind of a young Christian. I'm young. And a lot of times um, we feel like, well, I, I don't know enough about Jesus that I can talk to a lot of people, uh, you know, or I could talk to people about him. You know, why why does that not keep you from talking about Jesus? We, we turn Jesus up, Randy, and, uh, you know, and I, and I am, you know, I, I, there's a fellow that works at one of the stores uh, here, and uh, he's an atheist, and uh, and you can tell when I mention Jesus, he kind of gets you out of frame, but again, I, I don't, I, I, it doesn't bother me, right. you know, I don't, you know, that I offend him if I do, so there's something in him, not me. Right. You know, because everybody else can believe what they want to and say what they want to say, and why can't I talk about Jesus, our Lord and Savior? Right. Because that—that's what we're supposed to do, right? Uh, exactly. We're supposed to—we're supposed to let it out there, invite people to church, and uh, you know, just get these abundant blessings that only He can give. Because you know, I, I talk about that too. The devil will bless you; it just don't end right. Remember? Right. Yeah. <laughs> True. Well, keep turning Jesus up, man. Yes, sir. Right. Let's turn Jesus up. We're gonna let God in and win. Amen. 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 Good. Thanks, Andrew, for coming and talking uh, with us today and sharing why you're so bold about talking about Jesus. Thank you, man. Oh, I want to thank you for investing in me. And I'll, be, I'll get emotional. I <laughs> love you, man. But but that's real, you know, because the world's in calamities and we feel worthless, not worthy of God's love. But you just being genuine and being who you are is, I love you, man. Love you too, buddy. Praise God. All right. Turn Jesus up. <laughs> Let's guys just wrap up. You know what? To be faithful, you got to share the gospel. Be a good example, but share the gospel. It's good to shine your light, but it's not enough. You got to share Jesus. You got to talk about Jesus. Do acts of service, but share the gospel. Um, they need to both see and hear about Jesus. Not just see Jesus, but hear Jesus as well. Invite people to church, but you know what? You can do that without the power of the gospel, and it may not make a difference in their life. You're not trying them to win them to the church. You're trying to win them to Jesus. And all these things are good, but the main thing is share Jesus. You know, this morning I was wrapping up final thoughts, and, uh, and it occurred to me that there in, is in 2 Thessalonians, there is mention of the soul winner's crown. Five crowns the Bible talks about. You may want to Google that and look them up, but one of them is the soul winner's crown, and it's called the crown of rejoicing. Because the Bible says that when one person comes to see the Lord, come to know the Lord, the angels rejoice. And I, if you were here last week or any time we've had a baptism, you know that we do too. We applaud and we rejoice. And we would do that for you and for everyone who gives their life to Christ. Like Andrew said, let's turn Jesus up, all right? Let's turn him up. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. God, uh, Father, put a burden on our hearts, not just to share Jesus, but to share Jesus with somebody. Put that person on hearts and minds, Lord, 
that we might have the courage to go beyond our fears, that we would stir up our passion, our faith in you, Lord, and we would turn Jesus up and turn Jesus on to, to people. God, I pray for those that are on our hearts and minds today. I pray for the, excuse me, those in the room who may not know Jesus, that God, they would move their heart, their life, to share their life, give their life to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rise and sing. If you want to talk to someone, I'll be down front. Tony will. Uh, George will be here to share with you in prayer. Uh, for somebody, for yourself, whatever it may be, let's worship together.